Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Hey, friend. Come on. Hey, friend. Some of y'all, my my wife's so sweet and innocent. She's like, hey, friend. Some of y'all half saved. Y'all like, hey. (laughs) Y'all still still getting sanctified. Hey. Y'all looking at people hooking up in church. Hey. I heard some hey's. It wasn't hey, friend. It was hey. Uh, we, we had an amazing weekend. I'm so excited about uh, just December and, and, and what God is, is doing. It's getting to see all the Christmas festivity and, and just the, the spirit of Christmas. And come on, joy to the world, somebody. Come on, man. What a, what a great... Can you give it up for our worship team? Come on, give it up for these guys. Man, we've already had church in here. The presence of God has already showed up. And um, just, just so thankful to be a part of this church family. If you didn't get to be a part of yesterday... Uh, you'll probably hear more about it through today, some and throughout the month. But uh, literally yesterday, just tears and weeping, seeing probably th- a thousand cars about pull up and, 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 and police officers. And they were lined up uh, for, from, from 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Uh, to receive food. And um, we, we gave away as a church. You gave away as a church yesterday, I, I would say, um, I, I would give a, I'll give a conservative estimate. Um, you gave away about 60,000, 60, uh, well, 50,000 pounds of food yesterday. That, that's just food. That's just meat. And, and, then, and then of all the toys we gave out yesterday and, and, and the diapers and the food, I would say a conservative estimate is that we handed out, if we had to have purchased all that, uh, we handed out about $100,000 worth of, of, of food and, and, and goods yesterday to, to our community. And we say it this way, uh, would the community miss us if we were gone? It's easy to gather. It's not as easy to go. And, and so w- would, we, would we be missed? And I think we would. I think we see what God's doing. And I believe that our heart, your heart, is that our community would miss us if we were gone. And so we want to make that uh, a reality. And so yesterday, really, just we saw a lot of that happen uh, today. I want to say real quick, thank you to all the volunteers that came out. Come on, if you were out yesterday, and I, many of you maybe couldn't have made it, but you've volunteered at other times. And so thank you for volunteering at those Serve Knox uh, Saturdays. Thank you for volunteers that stayed late. Uh, we were supposed to be done at noon, but cars weren't gone until 2.15. And so thank you for staying beyond the time of what was scheduled. And we had people in line weeping. Listen, here's a couple of stories. Um, people in line weeping, thanking us, saying, we know it ends at noon, but thank you for staying out here and serving us. And no, no attitudes and just people so grateful. One, one lady... Um, She's been coming for a few months now. And, and keep in mind, we give food and we give hot dogs and we give toys and we do all that. And thank you for being a generous church. And we're going to talk about our vision offering later today. But all of it goes back to life change and what, what we do and how we pour into people. And, and, uh, and so we prayed for almost every car that went through. Every car was prayed for, but we had a prayer station at the end. And, and people were getting prayer into their families, into the window of their cars, supernaturally uh, being blessed by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and just to watch the Holy Spirit just align that was amazing. Um, one young lady, she said uh, several months ago, we were giving food out. She came to the end of the line and she looked in a box and there were ribs in the box. And she said, what is that? And, and, and one of the volunteers said, that's, that's ribs. And she said, you guys give out meat here? She said, we, we never, that's never given to anybody. We never, I never have gotten that anywhere. And I can't believe you give us, you give us the best. 
And yesterday, someone reminded me this morning that we ran out of all the, a lot of the dry goods and all of our boxes, but all we had left was meat. And, and, and at the end of the day, they got the best last. Come on, somebody. That's Jesus. He, he saved the steak for last, somebody. And so people went away fed and, and uh, prayed for. It was awesome. I'm going to jump into the word today and uh, just just starting this thought of this season. I'm going to look at Jesus' job description today, and it's really uh, the job description of you and I. It's the job description of the church. Um, and then I'm going to share a video with you here in a little bit. Luke chapter 4 uh, really speaks to Jesus' job description. It tells us what's happening in his life, and then he, he pulls out a scroll and begins to read some things. Verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So he went and was pushed into the wilderness, said he was led into the wilderness to be tempted. And then, and then he came out of the wilderness in the power of the spirit. How many know that the wildernesses you face bring power into your life? That, that usually the wilderness, when we, we, we think we're, we're getting weak, we're actually getting stronger sometimes. And so Jesus comes out of the wilderness in the power of the spirit and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was uh, teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Come on. Everybody says, well, I don't need church. I just need Jesus. That's not what Jesus needed. <laughs> as was his custom. He's in church and he's going into the synagogue on Sabbath and he stood up and read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. He found the place where it was written. He found the place where it was written about him. And then this is what it says. The spirit of the Lord is on me because for, for this cause, he has anointed me. The word anointed means he smeared me. He's, he's put this on me. Anointing just means smeared. He's, he's smeared me. He's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's, of the Lord's favor. My, my title today, and I thought I want to preach to you from for a few minutes is it's personal. It's personal. Look at a couple of people say it's personal. It's personal. Come on, say it better than that. That's not two of you. All of you. Come on. It's personal. It's personal. Father, we thank you that you're a personal God. We thank you that it is so personal. That you personally sought us out. You searched us. You ran for us. You scandalously pursued us with your love when we didn't deserve it, when we couldn't earn it. Lord, you sent your son so personally to get involved in our life. It's personal. God, it's personal today. Thank you that you're a personal God. You're not distant. You're not far off. You're not in the heavens. You're not across the universe. You're in this room with us. You're inside of us. You indwell us. It is personal. Thank you for meeting us right where we are today and empowering us to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's personal. You ever had someone say to you uh, uh, and, and give you the disclaimer right before they say it? Hey, hey, I'm going to tell you something, but I just want you to know uh, it's not personal. <laughs> yeah, some of y'all, you felt that. <laughs> it's not no, nothing, nothing personal. It's, it's not it's not personal. Usually if you have to make that the precursor to the statement that you're going to say, it's because it's very personal. It's not, per it's not personal. I don't like your new haircut. Nothing personal. I don't like your outfit. Nothing personal. Hey, it looks like you picked up a few pounds. Nothing personal. It's very personal. 
It's very personal. It's personal. And I think sometimes in my competitive nature and in my spirit of competition, if you tell me it's not personal and tell me something, I'm going to take it personal. I'm like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove to you it was personal. You're going to feel how personal it was. That's just my competitive nature. And so, so I remember some, sometimes people told me something that's personal. It's not personal. I'm like, I, I take it personal. I, I, feel like, I feel like Satan has, has spoken to the church and spoken to us and just said, hey, shh, just sit back, just gather it. So it's not, it's not personal. That, 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 that the perversion I'm pushing into your family is not personal. That the antichrist agendas I'm putting into the communities and into the schools and into the systems, it's just culture. It's not personal. I feel like that he's, he's come along and whispered into our ears, hey, I know you're losing your kids or I know you're losing your marriage or I know that, that you got anger and the violence and the chaos and the pain and the turmoil and the people that are, it's not nothing personal. And he's told the church and he's told us and I think for too long, we've sat back and said, you know what? It's not personal. The reality is it is personal. I'm pissed because it's personal. Yeah. Some of y'all like, he said pissed in church. I did because I'm pissed. I don't like the devil. And there's worse words I could have said. It's personal. Your kids, my kids, our families, our church, our community, those lines of cars, those thousands of people gathering in this room, going, giving. It's personal. Yes. Satan wants to destroy our families and destroy our kids and destroy our city and destroy our health and destroy our minds and destroy our bodies and feed us crap and push things into our life. And somehow we've been whispered to sleep that it's not personal. And it's so personal. It was personal when he got me in that crack house and found me when I was jacked up on different kinds of drugs, walking out of that room at 5 a.m. in the morning, looking at the sunrise, praying to God that he kept me alive for another day, thanking him for the birds in the air and the trees and the leaves on the trees. God, thank you. I'm out here and you're still personal. I was thankful that he grabbed me in the depths of hell and made it personal. I was thankful when I've gone through marriage things or almost lost children or had, had things in my own life or addictions or things I thought it was personal. And it's personal to me. It's personal to you. And, and it was personal to Jesus. He found the scroll where it was written about him. He turned to Isaiah and it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I just want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit will help you personalize God's promise today. The Holy Spirit will help you personalize the promise of God for your church, for your family, for your kids. God, it's personal. Holy Spirit, help me to personalize this. Help me not to be some distant religion or some distant thing I do or some tradition I walk to every Sunday. God, it's personal. And here's the thing. When you personalize it, that's when the power comes. When you personalize the promise of God by the Holy Spirit, that's when the divine nature of God comes on the inside of you. The Bible says that you partake of divine nature through the promises of God. When you make it personal, when the scriptures become personal, when the promises become personal, the nature and the divinity of God come alive on the inside of you. It's personal. Jesus says he's anointed me because for this cause, because I've been anointed because can I just tell you the power and the presence and the anointing always has a cause attached to it. It's not because we are Pentecostal Excited church. It's not because we're a contemporary church. It's not because the anointing of God is not to have cool services and goosebumps and cool feelings and chills and wow, that felt so good in that worship set that day. No, 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 no. The anointing of God for the Spirit of God is upon me for this cause. That there's a cause attached to your life. There's a cause attached to a church. There's a cause. What's the anointing? Jesus says, I've been smeared with power to, to get the job done. 
What's the job? The job is to, to build and occupy on earth until Jesus returns. The cause is the greatest cause on the planet. This, the church. People have given their life for it all through the centuries. Are we willing to give our life for it? Are we willing to believe this is what we've been given power to do? To occupy and build. If you get behind the scenes of our church every week, we are obsessed with transformation. I don't mean the name of our church. I mean that God can actually change people from the inside out. God can actually change someone's mind, change someone's marriage, change someone's future, change someone's life in an instant. Oh, it's so personal. And, and, and Jesus says, I've been anointed for this cause. And we have a cause as a church. And I think there's, there's four parts of our mission. And I really I see them coming from this job description of Jesus. And our, our mission, there's four things. Experience God uh, to find family. And, and then to discover purpose and then, and then to transform the world. It's that simple. And, and each of these parts really can correlate to one of those things. He says, I've been anointed. I've been given power to preach or proclaim the good news to the poor. Number one, we declare faith to the fearful. Your job and my job as a believer and as a church is to declare faith to the fearful, to preach the good news. The gospel means good news to the poor. We think, oh, the poor, we're going to preach the gospel to people that don't have as much and we're going to give out food and we're going to preach the gospel to the less fortunate and we're going to preach to the poor. That's not what poor means. Poor actually means those that are cowering down in fear, those that are shrunken back or hiding in terror. That we're called to preach the good news to people that are cowering and, and hiding and fearful for their life, fearful for what's happening in their world, fearful in culture. That we're called to preach that God is for you, that God is good, that God is personal, that God knows your name when you're inside of that horrible place, that horrible situation, that God is good and loves you. He's not mad at you, that he's madly in love with you and that he's for you. And that he's a good God and that he wants to get involved and invade the situations of your life. Our church is called to declare to you today and to people in our community of all walks of life that he's a good God. If God be for you, who can be against you? That God crossed the universe to invade our homes and invade our lives and that he is for us and no one can be against us. What weapon can prosper on my behalf? If God is for me, then we're called to declare that. People, people don't know that. We take it for granted that we think God is good. I meet with people every week that have a false image and paradigm of a God that wants to abuse them or hurt them or isn't for them. Or, and, and the reality is that God has called us and anointed us to preach that God is on people's side. He's not mad. He, he, can I tell you that he took care of sin once and for all? And that he's not judging sin. Sin's got its own judgment. God sent Jesus, judged Jesus, did what he needed to do to Jesus. Can I just tell you that I believe that Jesus, that we as a church believe that Jesus is the answer to all the world's problems? That's, I'm crazy enough to believe that he's the answer and that he's given you and I power to declare that out into the world, that he's the answer to all of your problems. I know you seek ye first the kingdom and you shall be filled. All will be added. I really believe it. There's days that I don't walk it, but I think we're called in this season of miracles to tell people God is interested in your life and he's for you. Number two, we declare your past doesn't predict your future. We declare faith to the fearful. Number two, he was, he was, he was anointed to set the prisoners free. Prisoners of what? Satan has taken prisoners, taking people captive. It's war and people are taken captive. We're called to set prisoners free, to declare that their past doesn't predict their future. What's the second part of our mission? To find family. The greatest predictor of a healthy future is a good family. And you might not have had a great family out there, but you can have an awesome family in here. You can have the family of God in your life. 
You can have people in your life. And we're called to say, you know what? Just because that was your sin, just because that's the action you did, you might have done it. You might have lived in it. You might have gone through it, but you don't have to pay for it. Your past doesn't predict your future. That Jesus actually paid the price for all of that, that you can be healed. One translation says, heal the brokenhearted, that we can heal people, that Christ gave his life to pay for the captivity and consequence of sin. You don't have to keep paying for something that's already been paid for. You don't have to keep self-imposing punishment on your mind and on your soul and on your, on, your, on your psyche. Jesus did it all. He paid for it. And my past doesn't predict my future and yours doesn't have to. God's given us power to do that. I've got a couple grandparents in my kids' lives. And, and uh, come on, you, you, guys, you guys know how grandparents do. And I found myself, I started doing it. Grandparents carry all those pictures and all those stories and f- figure out how to embarrass their kids and their grandkids in, in, in settings they shouldn't. My, my, my kids' grandma, they, they love and we start having some girlfriends over the house and they will tell stories that would embarrass my boys uh, it's so bad at the table. I'm like, I can't believe she's telling that story. I can't believe she's showing that picture. And then I caught myself doing it. I'm like, the, I'm getting older. Like, and I'll be telling a story on my son about something dumb and it's embarrassing. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm embarrassing my son. Why am I, th- I'm an old granddad now. And I'm not even, I'm not even that age, you know? And then, and the Holy Spirit said, that's just like the devil. The devil's just like an old grandma or an old granddad that just wants to tell stories and an old cheesy parent that just wants to embarrass their kids about the past, pulling out pictures. Look at you. That's what the devil does every day. Look at you. There you were at five eating applesauce. There you were at 10 sinning. There you were at 12 on your worst day. There you were when you got hurt. There you were in your, in your, in your 20s. When you were, there you were in your dirty 30s. Come on, there you were. That's, that's the devil's job is to remind you and I every day of our past to tell us that's going to predict our future. That's what humans do. We predict people's future with their past. Oh, you know about them. You know what you get with them. Oh, that's their true colors. You under, and no, 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 not when God gets involved. And, and, and we've got power to tell the world that the past doesn't predict the future. And, and that literally that, that has been paid for and that I'm in a new family and my new family is not declaring my failures of the past, but the power of my future. And that's what this is, that we declare the power of each other's future. And so we're called and anointed by God to say, you know what? I just say by the Holy Spirit, you're free from that past. You're free from that thought today. You're free from that thing today. You're free from that prison today. I don't know what it is for you. You can be free today. That is not your future because you're in the family of God. Number three, that we believe that we can recover sight to the blind. We declare, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. If you're breathing, there's a point to your life. Some of you think like, well, I don't have any point in God. I'm circling the sun again for another year. What's the vision God's given for my life? One of our, one of our missions is to, to discover purpose. That we, we go to plugged in. We do spiritual gifts tests. We get around each other. We have connect groups. We pray for each other because you have purpose in your life. We, if you had gone out yesterday and seen a thousand cars lined up for four plus hours, you'd see purpose. Sometimes we get so blind to purpose because our head is so down. And the reality is God has put purpose in you. You might feel like your purpose is dusty or your destiny is dusty or it's on a shelf or you don't know how God wants to use you. That's okay. God's not looking for new, clean, perfect people. He's just looking for your yes. God specializes in building walls of his kingdom with dusty rubble and burnt stones. God specializes in using things that are dusty and burnt and rubble and are destroyed. He specializes in rebuilding lives with stuff that feels burnt and used up. Come on, Nehemiah. 
God put Jesus in the most, the nastiest, lowest place on the planet when he was born. You might feel like you have no vision or you've done too much or you're not clean enough or you're not good enough. God put Jesus in the manger on purpose to tell you he can make holy things from unholy places. He can bring things out. And so you and I have a, a mission to declare to people that you have a purpose in God to recover sight. Have you ever lost sight? I don't just mean physically, like sight for your marriage, sight for your job, sight for the purpose of this next year, sight for the purpose of church, sight for the purpose of why do we do this, sight for giving, lost sight, got in blurry in your vision, darkened a little bit of like, why do we do it? And God says that we have power to help people recover the vision of God for their life. You and I are the light of the world. This is the light of the world, literally, that we are the light that lights up the vision of God for people's lives. And they go, wow, okay, there's a purpose. There's a point. And I just declare a vision in life for you today, light for you today in, in whatever it is that you are blurry or facing darkness and need some light in your marriage, need some light in your calling, need some, some hope and faith. That's our job as a church. And the last one, it says to set the oppressed free, to declare the power that you have to walk out your purpose. Not only do you have purpose, you actually have power to walk it out. It's one thing to have it, but it's another thing to say, okay, let the oppressed go free. You know, there's a difference in being, in being healed and being free. And I just wanna say this, a lot of us are healed from things, but we're not free from them. And when it says the oppressed would go free, it means those that have been smitten through or broken deep down inside. I remember years ago, I, I, I hurt my shoulder real bad, tore a, a joint or separated an AC joint. And, and it took about a month or two to heal up. And I was healing it and doing the bands. And, I, and finally it got healed and I got cleared for activity. But in my mind, I still had the memory of that pain. And so I'd go to do certain functions and certain actions and I would guard it and I would kind of hold it. If you hear about athletes that tear a knee or a tendon, or if you've ever done that, had a friend that tore a hamstring off the bone, it was healed and it got reattached. They get surgery, but mentally they're not free from the memory of that pain or free from the moment of when that snapped. And so in their mind, for them to get back to 100% uh, uh, power in, the, in their sport or whatever it is they're doing, they have to get free mentally from the pain or the oppression that happened in that moment. And so you can be healed, but you still have a trigger in your marriage. Or you can be healed, but you're still oppressed in your thought patterns when it comes to relationships. You can be healed, but you still have moments where you kind of guard and have a tendency to protect. Or when it comes to giving or, or sacrificially giving offerings, you're like, whoa, I don't know. And you have these moments and these things that we kind of go, whoa, 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 whoa. God wants to heal the oppressed and set you free so that you can actually get off the sidelines and into the game of what God's called you to do. We, uh, I just, I, I, it's personal. I had our, our team and our team, we wanted to sit down and, and, and put some thoughts down and share some thoughts about what God's been doing in our church this year. And then, and at the end of that, uh, you're going to hear a, a very personal story of a family that has been attending here. And I want you to check out this video. 2022 has been an amazing year at Transformation Church. We've seen God do incredible things across our church. We've grown, new families have been reached, and people have made fresh starts with God. It's exciting to be a part of a church that's making a difference. One of the things I love about our church is how our people serve. We serve our community and we serve each other each week. One of the ways we serve our community is through Serve Knox Saturday. It's such a privilege to let our community know that we not only gather, but we give and we go. If the community God has placed us in wouldn't miss us if we're gone, then we're not doing our job as a church. One thing I know about Transformation Church is that we would be missed because of the way that we serve. 
Listen to this. This year alone, we've served our community with 54,924 pounds of food, which equates to about 30,000 meals to our neighbors. I think it's safe to say our church is serving and making a difference where God has placed us. When I think about all that God has done this year through our church, one of my favorite things is seeing young kids and teenagers experience God. It's inspiring to be a part of a church that is committed to the next generation. One of the biggest reasons families love our church is because of Transformation Kids and our heart for youth. We love young people and believe God has a vital role for them in the church. We believe that students can lead in church and we have ministries like Team 45, which is made up of fourth and fifth graders serving in Transformation Kids each week. Middle school and high school students are learning what it looks like to worship God with passion at Transformation Youth. They serve on our Sunday morning teams and are living out their faith in their homes and schools each week. It is amazing that this year alone, we've had 6,277 kids and youth check into one of our next-gen environments. I always get excited when I hear about all the new people who have joined our church this year. We have seen over 450 first-time guests come through our doors. Let us always be a place that is welcoming and hospitable to guests where people feel comfortable inviting their friends, family, and coworkers. I'm so thankful for our teams that serve each week that make our church feel welcoming and authentic. Two of the things I hear people say all the time about our church is that people are so friendly and welcoming and your church is so real. The first time we were here, it was raining and someone met us at the door, at our car door with an umbrella and walked us into the front door. This is where the love of Jesus is shown by small acts of love and kindness that we do every week here. Our team serve each week, making people feel at home. And what's incredible is that this year already, our serve teams have served a total of 14,778 team hours to make people feel cared for. One of my favorite things about Transformation Church is our connect groups. Our connect groups are a part of our mission to help people find family. We truly believe that life is better in the context of godly relationships and no one should do life alone. Each week, people from our church gather in living rooms, coffee shops, hiking trails, or anywhere a community can be created to grow in God and build relationships. Think about this. We have had 1,808 people attend a connect group and find family in our church this year alone. At the end of almost every service at Transformation Church, we give people a chance to respond and accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, to become a Christian and make a fresh start with God. It's the reason we exist as a church, and this year we have seen 220 people respond and make a fresh start in one of our services. I am so humbled that we get to be a part of this life change and give our lives to make Jesus known. Ultimately, everything we do is about a transformed life. Every event we have, every weekend, all of the prayer, every effort we make, we do it all for one reason, to lead people to Jesus. We give our lives for this because there's no greater cause on the planet than seeing a life forever changed and transformed by the power of Jesus. We hear numbers and stats, but it is really about the one. The one family that gets groceries on the weekend. The one mom that gets prayer from our ministry team. The one dad that raises his hand for a fresh start with God. The one student who finds their purpose on a Wednesday night at Transformation Youth. The one marriage that is forever changed at EXO Conference. We can't ever lose sight of every single one. Jesus says it best in Matthew 18, 12 through 14. Look at it this way. If someone has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off, doesn't he leave the 99 and go after the one? 
And if he finds it, doesn't he make far more over it than over the 99 who stay put? Your father in heaven feels the same way. He doesn't want to lose even one of these. We serve, we give, and we sacrifice for people. It's about every person impacted by our outreach efforts. It's about the next generation. It's about every hug and every hello. It's about finding hope and connection. It's about the families that come through the doors each weekend. It's about you. It's about you. It's about the one person that is hurting or broken, and if they could just only experience the love of God for themselves, their life would never be the same. Transformation Church must be a place of hope for those who are struggling and searching. It is happening every week, and we want to share one of those stories with you. This is Justin and Allison's story. It all started right about the time I thought I was getting it all right. My career was beginning to peak. My wife and I had purchased a new home and Allison's job was beginning to blossom as well. My pros came with their own cons. My career had me on the road working an average of 250 days a year. I was hardly ever in that fancy new home and my wife openly expressed the difficulty of me being gone pretty regularly. Right before COVID hit in 2020, I began to have some uncertainty with my line of work. I had one more job before I lost all work for the foreseeable future. Also, during this time, Allison's father was fighting a third round of cancer, this time in his brain. I tried my best to remain the positive leader for my wife, but the task was becoming increasingly difficult. Eventually, we were forced to sell our home to prevent bankruptcy, and we moved in with my parents. It truly felt like God didn't hear us. I was unable to provide for my wife, and Allison's father was getting worse. We still believed, and we still prayed. I decided to try and reshape my career and became interested in working for a church. I googled Modern Church Knoxville and Transformation Church was the first to show up in the results. I updated my resume and prayed for God to have His will and to make it clear to me. The church had been praying for a sound technician and when one was placed on their desk, it seemed too good to be true. I heard later that Transformation almost didn't call me because I didn't seem real. Yet Pastor Jamie called me two days later. Very quickly, I saw love and compassion from the people at Transformation Church. I had never been welcomed so warmly at a church before. On my first day of mixing at the church, I mixed an encounter night where I saw the Holy Spirit move through people like I had never seen before. I was sold. Allison soon moved up to Knoxville as well, and we began to live with her mother. Not much time after both of us living together in Knoxville, Allison's father went home to be with God. You might not see the miracle in your father passing away, but let me tell you that transformation showered my family with love and support that was unexpected to say the least. Some time passed, and like many or all Christians do, we got into a groove. We were in love with our God and we began to see miracles for others inside the church on a regular basis. I was in the auditorium for about 40 hours a week and that room never lost appeal to me. I was always excited to see what each Sunday would bring. The entertainment market started picking pace back up from where it was and I was offered an opportunity that I could not refuse, which then put me back on the road. Soon after, Allison had just become pregnant and we were so excited. It hadn't been on my mind that I was back to my schedule of being on the road for more time than I was at home. I hadn't realized I was throwing away all the progress I had made for my family. I was still continuing my walk with God and Allison had joined a connect group and was growing her relationship with God as well. While I was on the road, Allison informed me that our baby at 11 weeks had a condition called acrania. 
which is when the fetal skull fails to develop, and this exposes the brain to amniotic fluid. She was informed that this was not reversible, and the baby, if carried to term, would be brain dead, at least, and completely dead within minutes of birth. We were heartbroken. Disappointment doesn't begin to describe how we felt. Honestly, it felt like our lives have been sucked completely out of our chests. The miracles involved in this one moment of our lives have solidified our faith to a degree unexperienced by ourselves thus far. After many God-orchestrated miracles involving the earthly discovery of the situation, the ability for me to get off work and head home, God used transformation once again. We needed prayer from our church family. We asked for prayer for our new outcome when we went for a second opinion. And we prayed daringly for a miracle to change our baby's current situation to that of a healthy one. We called our church at noon on a Tuesday and by 5.30 p.m., two massively large pizzas showed up at our house. Shortly thereafter, 30 plus people began to pour into our home. Men and women, known and unknown, walked into our house knowing our situation. And they all wanted the best outcome for us. Anyone we didn't know was introduced to us as a prayer warrior, and we were reassured we had the best company in our home. We found oil to anoint Allison, and we began to pray, sing, and worship our mighty God in my weakest moment. The house was loud and full of loving, godly people. Hours later, I could literally see pain pulled from my wife's body and thrown far away from her. For the first time in my life, I shouted in prayer and sang until my voice gave out. I've seen many parts of this world. I've seen many pieces of God's awesome creation, but I had never seen anything more beautiful than God's church in my house. Our home became God's temple and the Holy Spirit was flowing through the room, taking turns, giving each of us the words to pray over Allison. We had our second opinion and we didn't get the miracle we wanted. We lost our first child. To us, this was more than an early miscarriage. But looking back, our story has proven to me that there are hundreds of miracles all throughout the last three years. We still had to grieve, but God answered our prayer. We have felt peace towards this situation, and we are thankful for that. God showed us the level of love that He has poured into Transformation Church. And if this is the kind of love God can show through a few people and a couple of pizzas, I can't imagine the amount of love that God has for us for the rest of our lifetimes. We were never alone, but Transformation Church showed us where God is. God is working through the people of our church. Sometimes it takes someone that loves you to show you how close He actually is. Thank God for Transformation Church. There are thousands of people in our community that are in need of hope and the love that Justin and Allison experienced. People who are at the end of the rope and need us all to pull with all of our might. People around us need to know that they are not alone and God has good plans for their life. Why do we do this for people like the Keeslings? Why do we sacrifice and give in the vision offering? Because there are people whose lives are counting on us. On us. We do it for the one. For the one. We do it for the one. Come on. It's personal. It's personal. It's very personal. And today as we have our vision offering Sunday, we've been doing this for over 13 years, I believe, and seen God do some amazing things. And every year my wife and I participate in it. Many of you participate in it. And it's a once a year thing. And it's changed my life. It's changed our family. And we've seen God do miracles through it. And I just want to encourage you today. There's envelopes on your seat. And what we're going to do, I'm just going to give you a few minutes. We have a few minutes left here. I'm just going to give you a few minutes just to hang out and spend some time with God. I 
gave those envelopes several months ago and gave you some of our initiatives or about a month ago and hopefully you've been praying, but I'd like you just to take a few minutes and ask God what he'd have you do today and uh, make sure the number's right between you and God. We've already had people participate and today what I want to do, there's ways you can do it online. You can give online, you can go to the QR codes and things like that, but but I want to fill that out and I want us all to come forward together and participate in some way. Maybe you're going to do it online, but I just, I think there's power in unity and coming forward. And so our ushers are going to go ahead and put some boxes up here and we don't ever pass buckets, but this one day a year we place buckets and, and we bring our offerings because it is personal. We've been anointed to preach the good news to the poor and to bind up the brokenhearted and to declare liberty for those that are captive and to recover sight for the blind and to to set the oppressed free. And so you're a part of that. I'm a part of that. Just take a minute. We're just going to worship God for a minute. And then I'm going to come back up. Look very closely at the envelope. There's multiple options. So don't just uh, throw it on the floor or scan it. You know, just look at it. There's one option where you can give your best gift today. Many people do that. Uh, some people don't do that, but they, they give throughout the next year monthly and say, so, you know what, I'm going to give above my tithe uh, this every month this next year. Maybe you do both of those. Uh, maybe you don't do either. There's a box that you don't tithe yet. There's a box that says, I'm going to commit and believe God to open up heaven and to, to tithe and to watch what God does in my life uh, because we believe that it's very personal. And so um, I'm going to pray with you and just take a second. Let's worship God. Ushers, come on, bring the buckets on up, and then I'm going to come back in a minute and give us instruction of when to bring these forward. Come on, let's just have a moment with God right now. Go ahead and stand to your feet with me. Go ahead and prepare that. I'm going to pray over it and pray over us. We have two clear buckets down here, and we're just going to move out of our seat. I'm going to pray, and then you can begin to move out of your seat. We're going to continue to worship God. Father, thank you uh, that you're a generous God. Thank you that you have given us an anointing and a power to make it personal. Lord, we turn uh, to the scrolls where it's written about us, that as a church, we would declare the gospel to the poor. We would, we would set captives free, oh God. We would uh, recover sight for those that have gotten a little blurry in the vision that you have for their life, oh God. And that we would set the oppressed free, oh God. And we would declare the year of your favor. Thank you, God, for your favor. It's unearned, it's unmerited, but you pour it out on those that know your son. I pray today for favor on families and prayers to be answered. And God, you said that those that refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So I thank you for refreshing in this house today. We give you glory and honor. And Lord, we make it personal today. And we thank you that we get to set your image free. The image of mankind, which is in your image. Lord, we set and declare war on the enemy because it's personal to you and it's personal to us. In Jesus' matchless name. Come on, let's move forward all together and worship God with our giving today. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.